0: Your
1: host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday before the long weekend. Are all the days a weekend for those staying at home, forced to stay at home, having to stay at home, getting to stay at home? 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. I should pull that up so that I can see if you guys are talking, texting to me. I, I won't see if you're talking to me, but I'll see if you're texting me. 608-785-7914 Shelley Fortner Lacrosse Hunger Task Force Executive Director the food the only food shelf between Rochester and Madison is right here in Lacrosse uh, so they're pretty dependent on uh, food pantries and you know meal sites and youth groups pretty dependent on the Hunger Task Force of Lacrosse's food shelf they had the second last food drive Friday today uh, last week was pretty good, a pretty good turnout, and uh, there was a chicken queue that that was that went really well. I think it raised. I think I mentioned this yesterday, but it raised thirty-eight or thirty-nine thousand dollars, which seems pretty good for a chicken queue. Thirty-eight thousand dollars. It's funny, right? Like just and uh, so she's going to join us in a little bit. After that, I'm going to talk to Patrick Dehan of Gas Buddy. He's a petroleum analyst of Gas Buddy. I did talk to him uh, a couple days ago and I, I want to get that interview. I, I'm going to play that interview here in a little bit uh, at the bottom half of the hour. So it's pretty interesting. Every interview covering stuff, you know, everything around the, the gas prices, the, the gas war between Saudi Arabia and Russia that is, is now ended if you could tell by the, the price of gas and um, yeah, we're just in Memorial day weekend a little bit and, what we can expect there so uh from what i've heard from a couple of friends and neighbors a lot of, a lot of cars out they saw a lot of campers my neighbors mentioned that there were a lot of campers uh on the highway heading out so if you want to get in here a couple of people calling in uh let's let's see who's uh number three is calling in your radio's on there you go hey how's it going I thought you were gonna raise your left hand and take the day off to I go thought, help your dad. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go tomorrow and probably do it in the rain, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's gonna rain tomorrow.
2: You should have yeah. went today.
1: Well, I'm gonna if go today. If this ever but,
2: happens again, you know, when you want to get off, just let me know the day before, and I'll get Libertarian guy or Eric, and we'll take over for you.
1: Yeah, wait, Eric's on hold here on the other line. So,
2: oh, well, I'll say I, I do him for <laughs> me, will you?
1: Yeah, I think he can hear you as we're talking. So.
2: Well, keep your powder dry over the weekend.
1: Okay, thank you. Right. Number three, just check it in. Just check it in. Uh, Eric from Sparta, also check it in. Eric, yeah, you're, you're on the air. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I hope number three keeps his powder dry also. Yeah. Um, I'm highly disappointed that Mike Hayes was on another day. because all I hear from your program is talk, 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 and talk, talk, talk. I to listen to the viewers who want to listen to your program. I wish you would take more calls instead of going on and on and on and on. You're going on and on on right now. I could even possibly imagine. Thank you much.
1: (laughs) Eric from Sparta. Never a compliment. Never a day without a compliment from Eric from Sparta. 608-785-7914. If you want to get in here before me and Shelly Fortner, go on and on and on. And then uh, after that, uh, me and Patrick Dion are going to go on and on. And then I'll talk to I'll see what's left in the the bottom of the hour uh, to talk, but if you want to get on and go on and on you got a couple of minutes here but uh, I'll just mention this uh Lacrosse County no new cases of the virus Vernon Tremlow County's no new cases Vernon County did have four cases I believe yesterday and two of them were people under 10 years old people right children under 10 years old or 10 years old and under um, and Trumpmlow had two more cases yesterday of 13 cases total. Uh, nine deaths and 511 cases in the state. Uh, nine deaths is pretty low. 511 cases is pretty high, considering all the you know the case counts per day. But also, uh, we're ramping up testing, so that's that's number is gonna. If the death count remains low, that's that's obviously a good thing. But if the case count goes up, it just means we're, t- we're at least at this point we're t- we're testing a lot more people, so we're going to find more confirmations, which is good because we'll be able to isolate these isolate the, these people and kind of get them you know get them away from everyone else and and therefore they won't be able to spread the virus. Uh, Minnesota, on the flip side, the single day high in deaths today, thirty three. Yesterday was the old high, thirty two. And the day before that, I think there were 29 deaths, which was the second most high th- at that point. Um, so Minnesota not doing great with the death toll, and the death toll are all people in assisted living and senior living facilities, stuff like that. Uh, the state also had a, a high case count today, too. I think the tied for the the most cases in the state, 805. And uh, they they had 805 back on May 15th as well. So this the second time that Minnesota has set the ha- the high case count. Uh, Winona County had one more case of the virus, so Winona County's up to 76, uh, and they've had they've had 15 deaths there, and at least 14. So 14 of the 15, if not all 15, have come from one assisted living facility, or I think it's called Seller Health Care, but it's sort of a senior living, assisted living type situation. And then Houston County still at two. So doing good there, not a whole lot of places to congregate, but Houston County, people in Houston County, where I'm at, uh, obviously we're not contracting the virus elsewhere because it's kind of hard to contract the virus in Houston County because there's not a whole lot of places to congregate, uh, unless we're going to church on Sunday, which seems to be all the fuss the last couple of days, uh, it's a little ridiculous uh, to fight about going to church, ugh, so... All right, let's take. Uh, I think Brad's doing you know, there. It might be Caitlin, actually. I didn't go in there and and check, but uh, we're gonna take a break. Break for news. I'll call Shelley Fortner. We'll we'll get the update on Food Drive Friday's second last one, and then uh, you know next week we're gonna try to hit it up and, and make everybody, not make everybody, and, and, and just try to hype it up, and and hopefully we'll just we'll end this Food Drive Friday run with a bang. All right, we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Shelley Fortner, Lacrosse Hunger Task Force, Hunger Task Force of Lacrosse, I should say, uh, Executive Director, on with me. Shelley, I forget, I forgot this. Let's just ask you real quick: How long have you been the Executive Director there?
2: I have been here 12 years.
1: 12 years, okay. And wh- how do you get into becoming? Uh, how do you get into a position like that? Like, what was your passion grow- in, in, to work into that role?
2: Well, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I have a social work degree from UWL, and uh, right after college I went to work at the Salvation Army. I was a um, social worker with, working with families and kids. And then, um, as most nonprofits do, they kind of spread their work around. So they made me uh, manager of the food programs as well, um, so both the food pantry and the meal site. And then when this position came open... Um, it was kind of a good opportunity for me to get into the admin role too, but I knew all the players in the food world. so it was a really good fit.
1: Yeah I was just gonna say that's a it's a, a nice kind of like stepping stone. Hey, I've experienced what the food shelves and the meal sites have've had to go through and now I'm gonna run the food sh- uh, the food bank, right? So uh, right. you, you kind of you can kind of feel it's kind of like a doctor that performs surgeries but's never you know broken their arm or something. So you've actually <laughs> broken your arm i have <laughs> so
2: broken many things you
1: know. <laughs> all right so um this was the second last week of food drive fridays and uh you i made i made a joke that you uh you weren't if you could you could come on if you weren't at a chicken queue but you were at a chicken queue really today already no no
2: that oh, okay. was last week i was at a, I was yeah. at the river state um uh, trucking chicken queue that was going to be matched for this food drive so i was out there working
1: yeah and uh from what i saw after i talked to you a couple days ago i i did i just happened to go on river states what is it river states and trailer truck and trailers uh facebook page and they they raised like 38 or thirty nine thousand dollars from one chicken queue which seems pretty ridiculous but thanks to a lot of matching donations yeah
2: yeah it it is pretty ridiculous and they basically uh you know they bought 500 dinners and they said we're going gonna to give these away and we're going to accept donations for the hunger task force and um they as a company were going to match what was collected and then of course we've got our firefighters credit union match for anything that comes in related to the food drive so that was another match so <clears throat> i threw my own 20 and they're turning that into 80 dollars immediately
1: yeah and i think they, they raised 9500 they said and you know, you double that and you double that thirty eight thousand. I did the math, Shelly. It's like seventy six dollars a chicken dinner.
2: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I, you know, I mean, hey, you know, people are hungry in the community, and and uh, you know, just having this food drive where where donors can actually get a meal as well. So,
1: and I've, I night. I tried to list a couple of the groups that I've heard that have donated to this. We're at, are we at week six now? This would be week six, right? Because it was a seven week run of Food Drive Fridays.
2: Yep, we're second to the last week. So this is week 6 and next week is the final week.
1: And I so I know that the nonprofit God's Country Muskie, they donated 5 grand. Firefighters obviously the 50 grand matching, the River States truck and trailer we just talked about with their, you know, end up 9500 matching to and then an anonymous donation came from twenty five thousand dollars. Can we give credit anywhere else besides just the community in, in general? Is there a specific another any other specific groups that we miss that you know? Hey, these guys, we should call them out for being for being awesome and donating.
2: Well, you know, I hate I hate to start doing that because in case I forget somebody, but because everybody is so darn important. Um, but we got a, a check from the Rotary Club of Lacrosse today for a thousand dollars. We we got an iFeed feed. Uh, which is actually the Rotary Interact Youth uh, High School students, uh, they were able to match uh, a portion of the drive up to $8,000. $8, That's already included in our total. Um, so, you know, Rotary Clubs, aside from being phenomenal volunteers and being there every single week uh, at all three locations, have really, uh, you know, come through with financial donations as well. So um, there's just so many. State Farm had a check for 5000 that they helped um, kick off firefighters as well. Uh, Weezer Brothers dropped off a really generous donation that's um, not really related to the firefighters uh, or the food drives, uh, but that was a a $50,000 donation from Weezer Brothers uh, geared towards serving a certain number of the programs that we're serving. Um, Not to be counted in this, but it's worth mentioning for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm sure there's other, you know, like you said, you... I mean, we can give credit as far as long as as good as your memory is, right? And then, and then for those that didn't hear their name called, there, you know, we we're, our thoughts are with you. Thank you very much.
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, so many people have come through through this entire, you know, um, time since March. You know, we've gotten the Hunger Task Force has really been blessed to have. You know, Chuck E. Cheese brought us over last week for all of the volunteers for the food drive, uh, pizza and wings, and. You know, I mean it's businesses coming forward, um, you know, in all kinds of different ways that are really helping us out.
1: Did they bring any games too to play or just 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 pizza?
2: No, but we did get cotton candy. So <laughs> oh. that was the kicker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh Shelley Fortner, the executive director of Hunger Task Force of Lacrosse. Okay, so can you just break down uh, how today went? Uh the from eleven AM to one PM, you guys had the three the free this was uh the first week with the mall opening, so was there any um was it a little bit more packed there, or a little different?
2: Not so bad because the Macy's building is, you know, unoccupied at this point. So, and that's where they're situated uh, up by the mall. So it wasn't a lot of, of traffic issue up there. But a little busier than it has been, just with you know people out and about in general. But uh, you know, the spot that we have, we're good for that for the next week or so too.
1: Sure. And and how do you, did you have you calculated all the the amount of food or the amount of donations you guys received?
2: yeah, so coming into this week, we had uh, collected uh, about fifty five thousand pounds of food. Uh, today we we brought in an additional sixty three hundred, So we're up to about sixty one thousand eight hundred pounds. Um, we went into this week also with hundred and eighty six five um, in financial donations, and between our website, and the donations collected on all three sites, we got another 15000 This has just been the most amazing thing. We've never seen anything like it. Um, honestly, we hope the issue that brought us to this never happens again, but we really saw the community and groups and, you know, you name it, friends and neighbors, businesses, everybody has come together for this. It's, I, I can't, I don't think that any of us knew this was going to take off like this
1: okay so let can we is there I know we've put it in perspective other ways you you said that a, a regular food drive brings in about a regular big time food drive like that you you have in, in and that's in a day I believe right it brings in about fifteen thousand pounds of food
2: well our biggest drive is the i feed uh rotary again the interact high school youth have a, uh, an i feed food drive for us in uh, the late fall uh, and that's been our largest by far and that's about thirty thousand pounds and that is that's massive for us um you know, post office food drive and rotary lights probably about 15,000 so this is you know kicking it out of the park it really is
1: um all right and then you know you you talked about the you're not affiliated I don't know you could explain this better though there's a hunger task force in Milwaukee right have you bragged right. to them have you bragged to like the bigger hunger task force entities hey look what we're doing
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we work really closely with them. They're they're our model. They're our, uh, you know, mentor, if you will. And um, we are actually working real close with them through the Hunger Relief Federation of Wisconsin that they started. That's a, uh, a group of statewide organizations that are free and local, um, and we're all working together. The interesting thing is that we had talked about the milk recovery program where we're getting a lot of dairy, All of this has been coordinated by Hunger Relief Federation of Wisconsin, of which Milwaukee is is basically the organizer. So um, some new things coming up. We we also, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, Farmers to Families program. Um, The USDA put in about $3 billion to, you know, have the farmers continue to produce. And uh, all of that food then is going to be distributed through the Hunger Relief Federation throughout the state so that we can feed Wisconsin families. And we're going to start doing that now starting next week. So this is another big undertaking. And it's kind of um, shown how Hunger Task Force as a food bank has changed. We were the collector. We were the hub. And now we're going to be part of distributing uh, a lot just because these are such strange times. So our role is changing a little bit.
1: Okay. With that, and this is all just kind of breaking news a little bit here, but with that, are you, are you going to need more volunteers? Do we need to a call for help here?
2: I'm I'm always on a call for help. Uh, we've got so many things going on at the community garden as well, the Kane Street Community Garden. Um but yeah, these these big distributions with the USDA foods and and other things are certainly we're going to need some more volunteers at the warehouse and anybody could just call and we'd love to have them.
1: Okay, so if anyone wants to do that just Google Hunger Task Force of Lacrosse otherwise I think you end up at a different Hunger Task Force. Make sure you throw Lacrosse in there. Um, All right, Shelly, so are we doing anything special to to, uh, finalize Food Drive Fridays next week? Is there, uh, I don't know, is there, you got anything different in mind? I mean, obviously, it's a drive through drop-off thing, but you tell me.
2: Well, for next week, you know, we're just hopefully going to promote, and people who may have, you know how people like to procrastinate sometimes, and, oh, we mean to do this, and we mean to get to it, and, oh, my goodness. So we're going to push this one as the very last chance to, you know, support, uh, the three locations, uh, and then look for the following week for us to, you know, plan something special for all the volunteers and and everybody that took part of this. There's just so many people to thank, and we've got to do it right.
1: Sure. All right, Shelly uh, Fortner, Hunger Task Force Executive Director in La Crosse. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, so there we are. We're uh, one week, one more week of Food Drive Fridays. Uh, let me see. I wrote these numbers down. Did I write them down? One hundred eighty-six thousand five hundred dollars plus another fifteen thousand today. So two hundred thousand. I think I wrote more than that in my story the other day because I was I'm terrible at math. So I'll redo that. But uh, yeah, two hundred thousand dollars they've raised and sixty-one thousand eight hundred pounds of food in in six days, essentially in in the six week uh, one day food drive on Friday. So. Uh, let, yeah, let's hopefully next week we can promote this thing and, and have it uh, you know go out with a bang, so to speak. All right, we're going to break for Scott's comma and the news coming up. And after that, an interview with Patrick Dehan of Gas Buddy just on uh, everything surrounding oil and gas and gas prices and the Memorial Day weekend. And uh, it's a pretty interesting interview. Uh, hold tight. We'll be back after this on Wisdom. Okay. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. On the phone with me now, Patrick Dehan, petroleum analyst, at gas buddy. He's been doing that eleven years. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about why oil is going way up and way down and fluctuating and all the kind of reasons behind that. How's it going, Patrick?
0: Um Going good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, now you're you're down in Chicago, so uh, what's what's traffic like right now? Maybe the last couple of months in Chicago is it is it vastly different than than it was? You know, four or five months ago.
0: Well, you know, certainly from from my chair here, I'm, I'm certainly not driving uh, every day. So on the days that I have gone out, um, it's been fairly quiet. But there's definitely been an uptick. It seems like in recent weeks, uh, as uh, as the situation is prolonged, as the numbers have started to slow down, uh, at least here in Chicago. It feels like uh, there's definitely been an uptick in, in uh, traffic counts on the highways.
1: Is that because everyone from Chicago is driving to Milwaukee to go to the bars?
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's a good question, uh, whether or not that happens at night. Uh, hopefully, there, folks aren't uh, coming back down on the road and uh, the same day. But, uh, uh, you know, I haven't noticed a whole lot of, of traffic north or south. Uh, but uh, could be the aspect of uh, some things reopening in Wisconsin. Who knows?
1: Now you work at GasBuddy.com. It's a it's an app I use on my phone to to uh, kind of okay, where is the cheapest gas? Because I you know if I'm driving a- across the state to go to like my parents or up to the Twin Cities, it's you can kind of cherry pick. GasBuddy was a lot more relevant when gas was three four dollars a gallon. Right now, it's a buck seventy nine. It's ticking up now, but people probably don't care as much right now about gas prices. Right when it comes to they got to fill up, where is the best place to do that?
0: You'd be surprised, Uh, actually, uh, the number of people uh, visiting Gasput and downloading the app surged uh, even amidst uh, states locking down in the last few weeks. And I would expect it's because Americans still get real excited at low prices and like to see the prices. So um, the low prices or the plunge in prices actually meant uh, a lot more people downloading and, and using the app.
1: Would you, would you say that was maybe because uh, everyone wants to find where it's under a dollar like where in the state is, is it under a dollar here because that was kind of a thing about a month ago?
0: Yeah it was and that's uh, you know that's that's when our uh, uh, the, the interest in gas buddy had spiked along with uh, prices falling and certainly that was probably one of the reasons why is because you know, we haven't seen 99 cent prices in years. so to see that happening now, um, you know everyone wanted to figure out where that was and and maybe check it out themselves.
1: Now, are we going to see that any ever again, under a dollar?
0: <laughs> well, ever again. I mean, there's always the possibility that we could repeat this situation or it could worsen. Uh, you know, I would have said four months ago that where we are is impossible. So you never say anything's impossible.
1: I suppose if the electric car uh, revolution comes along, gas would really plummet, right? If everyone was driving an electric car.
0: Well, essentially just that. Uh, Whenever there's a situation, whether it be EVs or coronavirus, that reduces gasoline demand enough, uh, prices will tend to fall. So in the future, if there's some event uh, that contributes to a large and sudden decline in gasoline demand, prices will react the same way.
1: Now, from my understanding, Saudi Arabia and Russia were at war over gas prices. So they were, what were they, pulling oil out of the ground more so than they ever had before just to, there's an overproduction of oil and then and then that obviously you turn that into gas so there's more gas than we need uh, and that's kind of why prices fell, fell is that is i mean that's a really dumb version of of that but is that at all correct you know that
0: that's basically on on, on course here uh, all of this started because of coronavirus OPEC held an emergency meeting back early March before the situation blew out of control here in the US they held that meeting because back then it was China where demand for Crude oil had plummeted, and the price of oil had started plummeting. So they held that meeting, and at the meeting, instead of cutting production, well, I think tempers flared. Saudi Arabia and Russia said, well, um, you know, we're sick of cutting production because each time we do that, the U.S. ends up flooding the market with more of its own oil. So they continue to lose market share, and as a result of that meeting, they didn't cut production, but as we know, they ramped up production. Uh, and that contributed to the large drop in oil prices that led to lower gas prices.
1: How much is the U.S. at fault here? I heard Donald Trump say a couple of times the U.S. is the biggest producer of oil. We've gone all in on oil, have we not, as a country?
0: Uh, we have. We, we remain, the, the, or prior to this, were the world's largest producer of crude oil. But inherently, there's a difference between uh, Saudi Arabia and, and OPEC-producing countries and Russia. Uh, there, in those countries... Oil production is a state decision, meaning the government tells oil companies how much oil to produce, or the state owned oil company in, in Saudi Arabia's case. But that doesn't exist here in the U.S. That would be, you know, collusion for the government to say, hey, produce this much. So U.S. oil companies get to decide that on an individual basis. So uh, there's not an overlying authority to U.S. producers. And so when Saudi Arabia Uh, and Russia cut back, that usually props up prices, and that gives the U.S. oil companies opportunity to continue producing oil.
1: Are we going to... Has this war, essentially, between Saudi and Russia ended?
0: It has. It lasted just a matter of a few weeks, but in, in May, President Trump likes to claim that he brought this meeting together, but OPEC, of course, exists for this sole purpose, to manipulate and to push prices. So... President Trump claims he was a big part of it, but I think it would have happened either way. That is, there, there would have been uh, a sense of cooler heads prevailing. Saudi Arabia and Russia had contributed to a huge drop in the price of oil and along with it in their revenue. So they finally agreed to a production cut that took effect May 1st. Lo and behold, now that there's less supply and demand in the U.S. is rising as states reopen, Prices for oil have climbed back up to about thirty dollars a
1: barrel. AAA in Wisconsin kind of kind of does their own gas analysis, I should say. They're trying to predict what the weekend coming up, the Memorial Day weekend, is going to do for travel, but they they really had no idea. Do you guys have any idea how how much uh, gas is going to be used this weekend?
0: Well, you know, we have some insight. Um, we have demand data that shows that de- that data for uh, excuse me that demand for gasoline has started to rebound. Of course, it's still going to be an exceptional Memorial Day. Nobody thought that, you know, we were going to still see dozens of states under lockdown. I mean, many of them are reopening. Uh, But given the fact that demand has rebounded, um, I would say a few things, that this Memorial Day will probably be the weakest travel that we've seen in quite some time, uh, perhaps since the 2008-2009 recession, uh, perhaps uh, even longer than that, uh, since the early 2000s. Uh, simply because the number of uh, unemployed Americans has skyrocketed to uh, over 30 million in recent weeks. So um, it would probably be uh, pretty accurate to say this is going to be the least traveled Memorial Day in decades.
1: Again, we're speaking with Patrick DeHaan. Petroleum analyst at Gas Buddy. How much can we expect gas to kind of tick up? It seems to go up like ten cents, maybe every day or every couple of days. It goes up about ten cents a gallon. It's at dollar seventy nine in Lacrosse right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we we saw a pretty strong snapback in prices over the last few weeks. That isn't expected to last. Uh, the strong increases aren't expected to last. I think we will continue to increase, but the pace of increase is going to throttle back. So, yes, we're going to see prices continue to inch up, uh, but they won't jump uh, by much more than that for now. Uh, and that means that Memorial Day will probably be the cheapest holiday of the summer with prices very close to where they are today, maybe a few cents higher. Um, but July 4, prices may be, say, 20 to 35 cents higher. And then by Labor Day, prices could be uh, 35 to 50 cents a gallon higher than today. Uh, based on, of course, improvement over the course of the summer with the coronavirus,
1: gas a year ago, we could just—it's—it's just, it's, it's just going to go up to about where it was a year ago, eventually, right? Like it's—we're just going to level off there. Do you think? Do you think the oil companies will have to make up this difference, this lull here, and maybe gas will go higher? Well, you know, you bring up a great point. So many people on social media that I've seen believe that oil companies
0: get to decide you know, hey, we're going to raise prices. But that's really not how it all works. It really comes down to the pace of Americans filling up. We need to have more power to dictate prices than oil companies. Simple fact of the matter is oil companies would have never wanted to lower prices to 99 cents, but consumers were staying home. So oil and gasoline is a market-determined price. And so as consumers take to the road, prices are generally going up. It's a, the, the balance of supply and demand. Uh, So oil companies don't get to arbitrarily raise prices later. It really just depends on how we recover from here on out. If more Americans are driving and filling their tanks and getting back to work, then prices will be higher.
1: There wouldn't be an idea here where they they ramp down production, right, where they they can't do that, right? They can't withhold the oil because the oil's going to come whether or not you—
0: you know, they certainly could. Um, oil prices are so low that by producing more oil, they're losing more and more money. So there is still the lesson of economics here that, that the U.S. government can't compel an, uh, uh, any company to continue producing something if they're losing money. I mean, that that's what we call bankruptcy. If you and I spend more money than we make, eventually we go into bankruptcy. And that would happen with oil companies because they are producing something that has less value and what the market is giving for that that product. Say, you know, oil companies are, are only uh, able to sell oil for 10 or $15 a barrel. Well, it costs them far more to pay the employees to, to lease the equipment, to lease the land. So at some point, uh, oil companies have to curtail uh, operations because prices don't uh, – they aren't enough to cover expenses.
1: What kind of world are we living in where – so growing up, this is always, you know – the the talking point was always get gas prices lower and lower. What kind of world are we living in now where the president is on Fox and he's talking. First of all, he's he's laughing how we took serious oil. I don't know. I don't know, have any idea how that works. But after that comment, he kind of talks about how because we're invested in oil. But he talks about gas prices are going up, and that's a good thing. And I'm just like, what? No, that's nobody wants that. You're you know maybe a couple of, of of people in the oil industry want that, but I don't know why. Why is that statement a statement like that where the president says gas prices are going up and we're okay with that? Like we should be outraged by by a statement like that, should we not?
0: Well, I, I think the president doesn't really he, – he's not the best communicator. And, and what I would say as an analyst who watches this thing, watches these, these prices move on a daily basis, who all also enjoys to fill up at $0.99 cents a gallon. I certainly don't like $4. I see a, a balancing act here. Prices have to be high enough for oil companies to recoup their investment, to make a bit of money, because then that money goes into further drilling and exploration, which helps keep prices lower. If prices go much be- uh, below that, then oil companies fold. There's not as much oil. That means prices eventually go higher. So the balancing act is really that you want oil prices from those ultra-low prices. You want them a little higher simply because that means uh, that lower gas prices will remain sustainable. And so the fine line, you know, you could say it's 40 or $50 a barrel where oil companies are making money. They're paying their people, they're investing in research and development and drilling new wells, and that would lead to then a future reliable supply of oil. But if prices get too low, that doesn't happen. So I think that's what the president is trying to illustrate, that low gas prices are terrific, but prices too low will inherently then lead to prices too high later down the road.
1: Yeah, and it kinda of stems from also, right, the US is the number one oil is it producer? How am I I I will say that, but I'm not exactly that's right, sure. Yeah. Okay, the number one oil producer. So I'm guessing a lot of jobs go into that production.
0: Oh, absolutely! Uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs in the oil and gas sector are on the line right now, or were on the line as oil prices fell. So not only you know is this just a normal industry, and, and, and by the way, for those at home, you know I will advocate and say you know oil companies don't make near as much profit as say a company like Apple does, and we're all sitting on our iPhones. I'm, talking to you from one but just to keep everything in context here they they obviously are selling millions of gallons of gasoline so the revenues are very high but in the end you know this this is is not something about oil companies that they obviously have to survive as a business
1: now down the road will gasbuddy.com turn into like electric buddy.com because we're all going to be driving electric cars
0: You know, it's certainly a possibility that we have to pivot. For now, you know, even though there may be hundreds of thousands of EVs on the road, uh, you may not know it. By looking at gasoline demand numbers, they remain very close to all-time record highs. So eventually, if that's the way the world goes, I'm sure we will adapt.
1: Yeah, you guys, I guess I, I was looking, you guys don't have, uh, you know, there are electric fueling stations, if you want to call it fueling. Throughout the country, there's different There's different websites to go to. Uh, you guys don't have that yet, though. If I had an EV and wanted to get that, that might be something you guys probably do, but not too long from now.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's something we've thought of, but... Then again, when you're a small company, uh, when you have a free app, you're not exactly, you know, swimming in money like some other apps that may charge you do. So you have limited resources, and so far, we've decided to dedicate those limited resources to serving our bread and butter audience, which so far is gasoline and diesel-powered
1: vehicles. But we have
0: dabbled into alternative fuels like ethanol as well.
1: All right, Patrick Dehan petroleum analyst at gasbuddy.com. Thanks a lot for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be back after this right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. A Couple minutes left in the show. 608-785-7914 before we hit a long weekend. Is it a, do, do weekends even count anymore? 608-785-7914. <laughs> Getting uh getting text saying that uh, radio people should uh should be you know objective. This guy, I think me, this guy always brings up Trump in here and shoots him down, which is a bunch of crap. Um, radio people should be obje- objective. Why radio would be zero fun if it, we were objective? What are you talking about? Um, I, I talked to Patrick Dehan with Gas Buddy. This is this is what. Donald Trump said that and you can ignore the Syria part because I don't I couldn't tell you. I I don't really understand in in laughing about taking another country's oil, whatever, but the end part here about gas prices.
0: I don't want my troops there. So we're essentially out of Syria other than we kept the oil. We kept the oil. Of course, that was better the two months ago than it is now. You know, <laughs> keeping the oil today is not as good as it would have been two months ago. Two months ago was a wise thing. Today, it it's year. like uh, give it a year. Today, I think so. I think so. By the way, oil prices have gone up, right. which is great for your oil industry exactly. and it's great for jobs because it's millions of jobs. We built the greatest energy country in the world by far, and prices are are
2: inching up. I don't want my trips there. So.
1: all right. So. That- Always, I, I and Patrick Dehan kind of explained the idea that prices, if the prices going up, are are good for the United States because the United States has gone all in on oil of all things to go all in. Uh, we as a country are producing more oil than any other country in the nation, and so that produces a lot of jobs. So we don't want prices to be under a dollar a gallon because that will be bad for the oil companies who then pay the people to work in the oil industry. So that's what Trump said. And uh, it, it's a, it's a funny thing, right? Like, cause any other time, if any other president said, uh, I want prices, it's great that we see prices going up. <laughs> like what? We don't want gas prices. They're like, we as a society do not want gas prices going up. If they could stay at a dollar a gallon. I think we'd all be happy with that. Right? Like, why do we want gas prices to go up? But we, but there's, there's a, there's two, two sides to that, right? Like we're, we're all in, we're invested com- completely in oil. Uh, we, we don't, we're not going all in on solar energy or all in on wind power, those things that, you know, because if we went all in on that stuff and we got the infrastructure going on solar and, you know, unless the sun runs out, the solar energy would essentially be free except for updating the infrastructure, you know, and making that more efficient and, and, and less of a burden to like Obviously there's some we ha- we'd have to build there's some building manufacturing going on and, and some replacing of solar panels and where would you put them there's there's all kinds of thought processes that go into that but once it, once it's down once you got solar going uh you know where you don't have to think about it, then it's just making money for you because it doesn't cost any money to get take energy from the sun It costs a lot of money to get oil out of the ground so that's where I was going with that the idea that we've gone all in on oil. Is kind of a funny concept to me. So, anyway, I think that's all the time I have. Have a good Memorial Day weekend, guys. Thanks a lot.